We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Thursday, June 3rd. Jeff Erickson here with our good friend CJ Koldenbach, the Siege from Elite Fantasy Sports. Uh, you see, you know, he never has a take on Twitter. He's very calm, very quiet and shy. We'll try to draw him out of his shell today. Siege, how you doing, my man? Jeff, I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, I am uh, looking. I've been looking forward to this. I can't believe I hadn't had you on all this time. We were talking off air about this. As we've gotten to know each other in the last three, four years, I'm not as big in the DFS as you. That's probably why I'm. You know, I haven't. We haven't. Our our Venn diagrams overlap, but not by as much as other people in the industry. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good and a bad thing. You know, it's uh, it's good so you not you don't get sick of me too quick. But uh, on the other hand, uh, more Jeff Harrison takes are always great. Oh, okay. More puns, more puns. Every once in a while, something, something cogent comes out of there every once in a while, too. Uh, let's get, jump right into it. There's a lot of news going on. Uh, those people that had Alec Manoa, they won the Fab Wars this past weekend. They're like, all right, can't wait to see my guy go. And didn't work out too well. Uh, you got hit around by the Marlins in Buffalo. That might be part of the problem. Uh, but what was your take on him? I thought he was a little bit better than... I think people gave him credit for it. That Aguilar home run was a really good pitch that a really good hitter just hit for a home run. Yeah, And those happen yeah. at the major league level. And that's part of the adjustment that any pitcher going from the minors to the major leagues is going to happen. Sometimes you throw really good pitches and really good hitters hit them. Yeah. And uh, I'm not too worried about it long term. I only have one share, um, but I, I wasn't too upset about it. I mean, that's just going to happen with any young pitcher. But uh, Where you know, did you get him? Uh, tag team uh, with Greg Blankenship. Uh, okay, he he was higher on him than I was, and so we we made a keep him honest bid that we thought was at least going to get a second place. It turned out to be the winning bid. So which was two hundred and nineteen, I think. Yeah, one of my mains he went for one forty five, and our keep him honest bid was too modest. We were like one twenty five. We didn't keep him honest enough, unfortunately. But because uh, I I do think that I, you know yesterday was unfortunate. I think there'll be better times ahead too. I'm not really that discouraged. Uh, but I did get him an AL Tout Wars. That's the only place I have him, and that's only because we could bid on minor leaguers uh, ahead of time. I used James Anderson Anderson's advice, said he'll be one of the first and best to get called up, judging by where he got assigned. Um, and so I point is, always listen to James Anderson. Uh, it seems to work pretty well for me, in the, and it has in the past too. Uh, I got shut out all my all my NFBC fab leagues, uh, all five of them. Really frustrating. I did try for him pretty hard, and two of them just fell short. Yeah, it was really just dependent on your league. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't it was one of those like I was excited to have a share, but I also was just like, eh, 
I'm a rookie pitcher like skepticism person, so yeah, I'm always like, well, but but except you weren't a skeptic with Daniel Lynch. No, I was really in on Daniel Lynch. That one did not work out at all. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I am super high on him still. I actually like holding on to him. I'm gonna give him one more week, and then I'm probably gonna have to cut him. But I think he's gonna be really good once he gets called up. Uh, I'm holding on to him in tout. I, 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 I found him the same week you did, and when he got called up, I think did you got you grabbed him in tout also, right? Yeah, I grabbed him in tout. Grabbed him in uh, tag team, and then like after he had gotten blown up twice, still grabbed him in mains. I, I was pretty optimistic, and then. They had to pitch him on short rest, and then the bullpen was taxed, so they demoted him. We'll see. I think we'll still see him in the next few weeks. But Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see him dominate a little bit more. Uh, you know, We've seen Jackson Kowar dominate down there in, uh, for the Royals and the Miners. So we'll see what happens with him. I, I share your skepticism a little bit. I mean, we've all been burned by the rookie pitcher. And we all want that Strasburg debut uh, where he just goes out and dominates. But it, you know, you, it doesn't seem to happen all the time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I – and Manoa did dominate. That's the difference. He did have that first start. He did crush it. And so I think that's what fed all the hype. And I still think that people are going to get pretty close to their money's worth. We'll see. I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I maybe it's just I'm wish casting too instead of forecasting. We'll see. I think he'll be fine. I, I just don't think he's going to be, you know, a top 10 pitcher. He's going to be top 30, top 35, which getting that in fab is fantastic. So you just got to keep your expectations in check. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that division is just loaded. You know, the Yankees are, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of catching up a little bit. They've taken the first two games from the Rays, although they're down 5-1 today. On Garrett Colday, no less. Uh, but, you know, the Rays are, aren't going away. The Red Sox have gotten off to a way better start. In fact, they're up today 3-0. Christian Arroyo just went deep off of Odorizzi uh, for that one there. Uh, and then the, the, you know, the Blue Jays, they're trying to figure out their pitching. You know, that, you know, if Manoa does make that big difference, look out because the lineup's pretty stacked. We, we've seen that. They're above 500, too. So it's four teams in the Orioles in that division. Yeah. And the Orioles could be competitive if they chose to be. They're just choosing not today. Yeah. I know. It's frustrating. I think that's an ownership issue. Peter Angelos is, his health isn't great. He's been holding on to the money pretty tight. That mass and deal is pretty bad for them. Uh, he signed it. So it's his fault. But, Nonetheless, it, it, it isn't a great deal, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons they've been cheap. But you know, all these owners, the, re, the teams that are choosing not to compete for the by and large are getting punished. Seattle's getting punished. Uh, the Reds are getting punished big time. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, only the Cubs. The Cubs aren't getting punished so far. And that's I know for you and for me for our respective teams. That's frustrating. Yeah, Cleveland is getting is definitely get, get feeling the brunt of it too. They could easily be competing in that division if they had chose so chosen to. Yeah, I know. Uh, and they're, they're still in second, but uh, yeah, you're right. They easily could, and they just opted not to. So that's frustrating. But we, I flogged that horse. You know, Bar uh, you know, Barbaro is dead. Uh, I think that's the joke on Deadspin. So I'll, I'll leave that one alone for a while today. Uh, Al, uh, you know, looking at uh, the Oakland A's, another team that actually, you know, they, they spent late in the offseason, but not much. But Sean Manaya dominated last night. That's the sort of start we've been looking to see out of him. Uh, went the full nine. I think he's it, it probably, you know, the, the buy window closed probably with that, uh, but the buy medium still might be there. Yeah, especially because people don't think that Seattle team is good at all, and quite frankly, they're, they're not right now. So, you know, people are going to be skeptical. So if you're if you're bullish on them, now's the time to go get them. Talk about a player that I was on for a couple seasons and finally just gave up this draft season. Oops. Yeah, but I mean, earlier on this year, this season, you weren't feeling too bad about that. He wasn't dominating or anything. He's he's coming around lately. The K's are there. I actually, the only place I have him is the second chance draft uh, for the Memorial Day, uh, starting Memorial Day on. Uh, I, I thought he slipped a little too far there. That's the only place I have him in all my 18 leagues. Yeah, it seems like the point of the Memorial Day draft, right? Just be like, oh man, I really should have just gotten this guy and just yeah. pick him up. Right. All right. Right. There, there's some FOMO there. And the, the, the funny thing about those leagues is it, we were the first one. There was no ADP. It was hard. It was super fun, but it was hard. Uh, you know, you got Rob Silver in mind. We had, uh, you know, Don Del Don, who's having an amazing fantasy season right now. Uh, it, it was it was tough. A lot of veterans in there. Um, and I'm, you know, insulting by not naming everybody, but I apologize for that. Uh, but, you know, it, it was it, it was really kind of wild to see some of the, you know, who's going to load up on the, you know, the, 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 the last year or current year bums, 
Who's going to load up on the primetime uh, performers already? Who's going to get Adelise Garcia? Who's going to get Jesse Winker? Uh, who's going to load up instead on the slumpers like Luis Castillo or Blake Snell? Yeah, the, the, I skipped this year, and I already have FOMO of that. I was regretting it afterwards. It's like, man. FOMO of a draft. Fun. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. Uh, we'll see how it works out. I got to share a team with Liz, so that that could be fun, too, or it could be a nightmare. We'll see. It depends on how bad we are. I, I'm confident you'll be fine. Yeah. The thing is, I like I, – I, I never usually am a partner guy. I know you're doing the tag team. Uh, I'm really enjoying having a partner in the main. Uh, it, you know, Tim and I, Tim Schuler and I work pretty well together. The Sunday night fab conversations, it, it, it's helped me a lot. It's made me kind of moderate some bids a little bit there, kind of bouncing ideas off him. He points out guys I hadn't thought of vice versa. So that that's worked out pretty well for us. Yeah. I, I liked having a partner. It's just nice to have someone to just be like, all right, you're just way off the market here. And that can really matter. You know, it's, even if you just save like 50 or 60 bucks in fab once or twice, like that really adds up. So. It's super helpful when you're just like, oh no, look, you're just the high man in the room on this, so you can you can get them for way less. That's mm-hmm. always nice to hear. Yeah, helps on draft day too. Uh, you know, your partner's high on one particular guy. You see, he sees an angle you don't necessarily see, or talks you out of a guy that can sometimes be useful too. Uh, especially if you get sniped and you're like, oh my god, what am I going to do here? Well, let's think about this instead. Or we, we're talking out the our plan in the middle of the draft. Like, uh, okay, we've acquired this part of our plan. What, what's next? You know, usually you, know, you map it out as best you can, but things change in the middle of the draft. I found that to be pretty helpful too. How, uh, how's the dynamic working with you and Greg and the, the tag team? Yeah, we think a lot alike, so it's super fantastic. Um, yeah. And it was nice during the draft. We had that spot where we had basically our plan was hitter, 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 Sonny Gray on the fourth. Like, you know, pick 59, we were going to shove Sonny Gray up. He was going to be late. We weren't, or we just weren't worried about it. We thought we were for sure going to get Sonny Gray. Go was like one pick ahead of us. And we oh, were just no. like, Oh no, now what do we do? Because <laughs> there was just no one else in the tier we liked. This is why we were going to shove them up. And it's like, uh oh. All right, I guess we're going zero pitching here. <laughs> Can find <Yeah>. league YOLO. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, so, ha- who did you end up with there? Who did, how did you fill it in? Uh, we ended up with uh, not a whole lot of pitching depth. So, we ended up doing the uh, Dillison Lamette, uh, Corey Kluber thing in the uh, 11th and 12th rounds to try to pick some upside. Didn't really work out with Kluber. Um, Lamette's actually looking okay. That actually might work out for us, but um, a lot of sleepers. So uh, Bundy, Singer, who I was super high on. Uh, but yeah, it's still kind of a problem. Yeah. Well, ongoing attempts will be made to, to clear it up, but uh, keep digging, keep plugging away. Stashing Chris Sale. We, we got him for like two bucks last week. So that's probably our best ace in the hole left. Yeah. Uh, I thought about Sale, thought about Severino too. Now that Severino's close to starting his uh, rehab assignment, thinking that might pay off. That's not a bad one. I might put that one down on my list. We need all, all right. the pitching cut we can get. Yeah, exactly. So you got to take chances, uh, but go for upside. Uh, in that same game, Kelnick, he's really struggling. He's hit like 111. He got moving down in the order now. What's the next step? Excuse me. With Kyle Lewis getting hurt, I'm not sure there is a next step. Yeah. Uh, there's no one really at AAA that really can just step in. This is a team that's not going anywhere. I think they should kind of give him some growing pains and just let him try to fight through it. I'd agree with that. Uh, you know, and the, the funny thing too is, you know, I was talking with Fred Zinke on Tuesday's podcast. We're like, well, at least they left him in the leadoff spot. They moved him down that day, like right after the podcast uh, finished up. Of course, they announced the lineups after that, and he's batting sixth. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens uh, with him going forward. Uh, he didn't start yesterday against Manaya, a tough lefty. Maybe that was that was fine just to kind of give him the uh, give him a breather. Uh, these young, you know, some, you know, a rod got sent down when he was a prospect, you know, trout struggled in his first year. And I'm not saying he has the same upside, but if those guys struggle and then can, can perform later, anybody can. Yeah. And the team's not going anywhere. So you already started the clock. There's, there's just no, I mean, you could demote him, but just yeah. let him fight it out. It's not the Tacoma's not going to help him out at this point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, the bad news out of Seattle camp, the really bad news is Kyle Lewis. I know it's bad news for you, too. You have him in a lot of places. Uh, are you going to ride it out with him after this one, or what are you going to do? I, I don't know, Jeff. It's going to probably see, can I can my team stay healthy and avoid some more red suitcases by the end of the week? Uh, if they can, I'll probably hold on to them. If they can't, I'll probably have no choice but to dump them. The issue for me is like I am one of those guys that like once I make the decision, I will just ride it out no matter what because if mm-hmm. I'm not going to optimize the drop, then 
like cutting him in three weeks does me no good. Like I've now, you can't really split the baby there. So if I'm going to stick to him, I'm going to have to just pencil away a bench slot for a while on him. I, now, is this the know. same knee as earlier? I, yeah, I mean, it's the same knee, which is probably why like, I think the cut's a real option here because yeah. just, again, they're not going anywhere. They're going to really rush him back. I, I have a hard time believing that. So I, I think cutting in 15s even is a consideration depending on how injury-riddled you are. I think you're right. I, the quote from DePoto today isn't very good. said, I'm hopeful that we'll see him again this year on the field, but I don't think it's going to be quick. Uh, hopeful that we'll <laughs> even see him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jeez, that's even worse. That's really bad. Yeah, that's a that's a really uh, uh, pessimistic quote. Uh, I have to say there, uh, you know, and it's a torn meniscus in that right knee. Not great, not great at all. Taylor Tamell's back up. He'll he'll resume his strikeout tour of America here again, uh, unfortunately for them. But yeah, the Mariners, man, they, they really are just really awful. And there's just no signs of improvement. Like Mitch Haniger trade probably has to be on the table. Yeah, I think so now. I mean, he, he thought that maybe like Kelnick will give him a spark. You know, they've had some some good pitchers here and there, but mm, yeah, I, I think that uh, Handiger has to be dealt because he's not going to be part of the next wave. Uh, and it's like, you know, Jerry DePoto really needs to be convinced to trade guys too. So that, yeah, I, I would expect that to happen. I, I think he'll be. I think he'll be very active in the trade market. Yeah, I, I, let's hope so because that team needs some hope, and they don't have much right now. Right. Uh, News, uh, speaking of teams that do have hope, Fernando Tatis, they got swept by the, he and the Padres got swept by the Cubs this week. They're back home against the Mets. The, the talk is they're expecting him to come back from his uh, oblique soreness. Wasn't a full tear, at least that's what they're saying right now. Uh, we, we've seen this time and again, though, with oblique injuries. Oh, it's not that bad. He'll be fine. And then he aggravates it and it's a lot worse. Or, or, I mean, if you have Tatis, you still got to roll with him, though. I mean, there's there's no nothing really actionable here. You just got to hope he has a hot week, and then if you're really worried about it, try to deal him then. Yeah, I think you're right about that. If, you know, or, you know, I, I told people to deal him last time, and then he tied, he tied for the league in homers. I think he's one behind now, and he has 12 stolen bases. I didn't think he was going to run. After the shoulder injury, I thought, you know, he's going to have to trade, how, change how he slides, couldn't slide head first, change how he plays a little bit. That hasn't happened. He's got a bunch of Byron Buxton in him where you're probably never going to get as many games as you like, but the ones you get are going to be fantastic because he just can't stop being him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that is a problem with him, but we'll see if he, I mean, he has a higher ceiling obviously and Buxton seems to be even more fragile. So we'll see uh, how long that lasts with him, but uh, yuck. Uh, don't like seeing it. They, they face the Mets tonight. Mets, they're starting to creep in, get a little healthier. Uh, they got, and Lindor's starting to hit just a little bit. Now they got Alonzo back. They got Pilar back. They need. They, it's going to be a while before they get Conforto, McNeil. Uh, there's a Davis had a setback. Still a weird team to watch. Yeah, it's. I, I got to be honest. It's just hard to watch the Mets. They just kind of sit there on the score bug and just go sit in the corner. I guess if it's close, I'll turn it on. But I just don't want to watch them. It doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. The weird part is I love their broadcast team. In fact, this is a matchup of two broadcast teams I love. I love Orsillo, uh, and you're a Boston guy. I know you probably love Orsillo too. Yeah, I'm sad when we let him go. Yeah, that was that seemed like that was there's something political going on there. I'm not quite sure what the details were, but uh, you know, I don't even mind the current crew. Uh, I know some people hate O'Brien. I don't hate him. He's just not Orsillo. Yeah, I like I like I, I like. O'Brien, especially with Eckersley. Eckersley has been getting much and much better. I, I actually enjoy Eckersley now. I couldn't use to stand him, and now I actually really enjoy his broadcasts. Um, but, yeah, there's. I wish San Diego could get Don Orsello, a good color guy. I feel like he's doing all the work all the time. Grant can be funny at times. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more substantive from him, though. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's just. I feel like if they had a little more substance, that broadcast team would be unstoppable. Yeah, I still it's still one of my go tos. Them, San Francisco, the Mets, Dodgers. Joe Davis done a hell of a job stepping in for Vince Scully. Tough shoes to fill. You don't hear anybody complaining about Joe Davis. You know, other places you hear like revered announcer retires. Guy comes in afterward can do no right. I haven't heard that with Davis. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I hadn't really thought about it, but you're right. Coming after Vince Scully, honestly, if you're a broadcaster, the best thing can just be that no one has a problem with you. Like that's yeah. the best, that's your best job. Right. 
And it's not like he's boring like the Cubs, like uh, the Rockies, or I, I didn't mean to say the Cubs. I don't know why they came out like that. I love Boog Shambi, actually. But uh, the Rockies and Arizona, kind of like they're just there for me. Uh, for Ar- Arizona, if there's one, I just will not watch anymore. Yeah. Just... If Farron, Mike Farron's doing the radio, I like Mike Farron, uh, but I, I don't like the TV guys that much. I, I agree with you on that. We can. Re- we're going to turn this into rate the broadcasters instead of oh. talking anything that's substantive here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, the, the worst is now without a job. And that, that was Tom Brenneman. He, he was the worst. I'm, I will brook no dissent on that. Yeah, no, that there's no, there's no disputing that one. Yeah. Padres, they were flying high. Then they got swept by the Cubs. You know, one thing I've noticed about them is they're having trouble getting innings out of their starters. It's not just Blake Snell. It's Lamette. It's Ryan Weathers. Some of that, I think, is Tingler. I think I've made this point before, but I, I like to flog the whip again. So th- I think that's kind of like detracting some of their value a little bit, fewer chances for wins. Yeah. Talk about a team that really should just consider using an opener. Like no one's been doing it this year, but talk about a team that's like primed for an opener. It's really them. They got a bunch of four to five inning guys. I think yeah. they'd be, be really good if they could just open with – and they got good relievers too. They can absolutely do it. And then you let give those guys five minute innings in the middle instead of them going four and two thirds. They could probably get you five, five and a third if they don't have to face the top of the order at the start of the game. Yeah, especially Lamette. I mean, I think he's like crying for an opener in front of him there. Uh, you know, the Rays are still doing it. You know, they do it with Fleming. I love it. You know, Fleming is this year's Ryan Yarborough. You now he's stealing wins left and right. I love it. Uh, but you know, you want to see a little bit more of that. Other teams do that. It's not just having an opener; it's having a good opener. And you know, that's the other thing the Rays are so good at doing. And it's like they find. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys. Stanek used to be with them. He was perfect in that role. They seem to seem to be pretty uh, good at doing that. Yeah, Padres' bullpen is one of the better in baseball. I think they'd be able to figure it out, though. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, this is uh, the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast is brought to you by WinBet. Uh, they, uh, as soon as we have more information on how to, you know, you know, we'll get a copy from them. We'll give you more details. But if you can bet on sports, please use WinBet, W-Y-N-N, uh, bet.com. And hopefully, uh, yeah, you get off to a good start and do that. Uh, also, we're going to take a brief moment, quick note from our sponsors here. If you're not on the live, if you're on the live stream, you won't get this note, but. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. 
Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Here we are. I'm Jeff Erickson. Back with uh, my guest, CJ Coltenbach, The Siege. You can follow him on Twitter at The Siege, DFS. Siege, you're a big, big Cardinals fan. I'm a big Reds fan. We play each other a four-game series. It's a bigger series for us than it is for you. I mean, you obviously, you had the rivalry with the Cubs. Yeah, the Cubs are in first. You're in second. So uh, that's what we, your sites are trained on. But for the Reds, this is like desperation time. So it's a big four-game series in St. Louis, a place that don't often do very well at. But the Cardinals are kind of hurting too right now. Yeah, it's funny. When I moved here a decade ago, I don't think anyone would have ever heard, used the word CJ and, and Cardinals fans in the same sentence. But alas, here we are. Uh, I watch so many Cardinals games now. It's hard to just not call myself like an, a secondary fan at worst, at best. Um, but yeah, the Cardinals got no favor from the Dodgers, by the way. When you guys win tonight, uh, give the Dodgers an applause for putting a night game last night. That's just so rude. Night game, and then it got worse because Seamart did uh, brutal things yesterday. I, I I have Seamart in one league, but I looked and checked it out. Thank God it's in Raz Slam. Best ball league. Okay, fine. Yeah, so I don't get to use one of my pitchers this week. I can live with that. That's fine. Uh, it, if we we're playing a worst ball league, then well, then I'd be in jackpot, but uh, or forced to use your worst or something like that. But thank goodness. But the I did because I, I was going around and I, th- I you know. I was hoping, okay, who's got C-Mart? Someone's got to have Carlos Martinez active in my leagues. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, but there's my David Peterson active. There's my David Peterson active again. Good times, good times. 30% started in main events, and I was like, I, I, they're not in my main events either. Which main events are they in? Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was a brutal start. And it was one of those starts that you knew right away, too, after two, like one batter, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. I, was, I texted my buddy because we were thinking about playing the Dodgers and DFS, and we t- basically were being stubborn and used our pre-show thoughts. And I texted him after two batters. It's like, Dodgers are going bonkers. We're, we we should have just done it. Was and that by the time I sent the text, they had six runs. Was that uh, Ricky Sanders uh, that you were yeah. doing that with? Yeah, I saw the tweets on that. I was not happy at myself. It was one of those I was just being so stubborn. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah. Th- yeah, it, it, that's frustrating. It's super frustrating when you think you ha- you have the line, and then you don't follow through with it. Same, same thing happens in season long. Like the worst part for me is when I talk about talk up a player, and like, well, then the helium got too high. I'm not going to go there for that guy, and then he exceeds the helium anyhow. Oh, that's just the worst. Honestly, the worst for me is when you have a guy that you're like really early on, and you have him in your fab string for like three weeks in a row, and you just don't get him anywhere. And mm-hmm. for me that year, this was Luis Garcia of, of the Astros. I watched his first couple of appearances out of the bullpen. It was just immediately like, oh, my God, this is electric. And I just kept putting him in my pitching strings. And I just never got down there. And then, of course, he gets the rotation job, and he's crushing now. I'm just like, you couldn't have put him a little higher in that stream for like a right. dollar? That would have been great, right. a 15-teamer. Yeah, I, I, I hate that too. You know, you, all your contingency bids are, you know, that's the week where you don't need them. You get your, your top target. Or someone else decides, oh, I'm going to go – three dollars instead of two or whatever but yeah i hate that too uh michael asked we're talking cardinals right now and uh we might as well jump into the cardinals rotation non-cmart edition it's john gant worth a look i have gant in both mains he's i think he's benched in both of them this week uh because of the dodgers start i was just worried about that but he, he he's got a lot he has his handful of wins he's got some strikeouts he's got a good era just don't look at the whip the whip is horrible the walk rate is horrible He's tough to watch. Just don't watch him pitch, actually. I think it's the biggest answer. I think he's useful, especially because in a 15-teamer, it's hard to find anybody, but he's he's a frustrating guy to watch for me. I feel like he's inevitably going to hop on the blow-up list. He's just been getting so lucky so far this season, and while there's a lot of talent there, it's just not as good as he's been pitching so far, and it's just he walks a bunch of guys, and it just feels like he's got that two-inning, seven-earned-run start coming. 
And that's probably my biggest issue with him is like, if I've been starting them all along, great. Like my ERA and whips can handle it. But the last thing I want to do is go get that guy and then watch him blow up my ratios, knowing that it's eventually coming. Yeah. I think the answer too, is if you got to play catch up, you're already hurting on the ratios. Okay, fine. You go, you, you, you just max out number of starts. Uh, you got any sort of ratios to protect. I think he's a guy you run away from. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Uh, 39 Ks, 34 walks. He's not even getting that many Ks, actually, now that I look at it. He's only allowed one homer. That's and that's actually it is kind of a thing with him. He does suppress home runs. He does generate a lot of ground balls. But you're just relying on Babbitt luck with him. Yeah, and those guys just inevitably have the bad starts. Even like Kyle Hendricks, who's like very been good at it for a long time. Mm-hmm. A couple times a year just has the – the ball finds the gap seven times. And next thing you know, it's three innings and seven earned runs. That's just going to be a nature of those type of guys. Yeah. And Hendricks, is, I mean, in, in the case of Hendricks, he's been giving up the homers too, although that's slowed down. He's actually stabilized a little bit lately, but my God, he was terrible for a while. Cause I am the Kyle Hendricks guy. I, I oh, I've there. always been the Kyle Hendricks guy. I was talking about past Kyle Hendricks. I didn't want to think about the 2021 version. Yeah. Uh, one four whip though. He, he hasn't stabilized that much yet. Uh, it, although I guess he has, he was up to one seven, six after that brave start after that disaster since then in uh six outings, he's got uh two ninety five year and a one fifty one eighteen whip. So he's been a lot better since then. Uh, I'll have to give him a little bit of credit there, but wow. He was so bad early on. Uh, and actually he's still giving up the homers, five homers in his last two outings. So still a lot of bad things going on with Hendricks. Um, but this isn't Hendricks talk. It is Cardinals talk right now. Jack Flaherty is out probably at least until the all-star break, maybe longer. How do the Cardinals replace him? They start losing games, Jeff. Uh, I'm just that there's no depth here. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. Like they're going to go to Ovidio. Like, have they not seen that how that's not worked all season long? I think he actually finally had like a decent start in Arizona, but his mm-hmm. numbers in AAA were bad. And the guy hasn't gone deep in all but one start. I just don't know how that with the bad Cardinals bullpen, how they're going to be. They got to get some length somewhere, and maybe yeah. it's just by a trade they get someone who can eat some innings. Because with Gantt and Oviedo, I just don't, and with no Flaherty, I just don't. And Carlos Martinez, where are you going to get the innings from? Right. Uh, that's that's big trouble. Big trouble. Uh, it, it's as as target of a shot of an injury as you could give on this, this Cardinals team. Uh, I can't think of anyone who would, I, I guess losing, yeah. Who, who would losing anybody else hurt more like Arenado? Maybe. I don't know, but yeah, it, probably it's, not. But yeah, I mean, that's just, it's the rook. They just did not have a starter spot to give up, especially in our flarities. Yeah. Is there anybody else in the minors that we should be looking for that could per- perhaps help? I was actually wondering like where Libertoria was going to come up, but he's just been awful. Um, he's yeah. the big prospect they got in the in the uh, the trade with the with the Rays. And right, he's just not ready yet. Um, the lost twenty twenty season just really clearly he needed it. Um, yeah, I just don't well they see jumped him from low A to triple A. That was a big jump for him. Yeah, because uh, I mean he definitely did. He was an all camp last year and pitched okay, but still he just clearly needs a full season there. I just don't think we can see him this year. And outside of that, it's if they're not going to put Cabrera back in the rotation and they're not going to put Ponce back in the rotation or Alex Reyes, and they say they're not going to do any of those three, I think they're in for some trouble. Now, I think they'll eventually have to move one of those guys into the rotation. I just don't think the Oviedo thing's going to work. My guess would they would be would they tried Ponce first, but I think they really should consider stretching Alex Reyes out and get him out of the closer role because we know that regression's coming. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask about him. I mean, he just he, he his walk rate is so high. Uh, I mean, everything else has worked for him. He, you know, he's hard to hit. Um, he's getting lots of strikeouts and he's gotten the saves for you, but man, those walks are just scary. Yeah. And Jeff, we've been doing this long enough. We just know that the walk, you just, you don't get away with that. Maybe you can yeah. find it. If you get super, super lucky, you get away with it for one season. And then the next season you just get destroyed. You just can't yeah. walk that many guys. You just can't. Yeah. I, I made the comparison to Carmer, Carlos Marmol with him. Uh, it's just, although it's not as high of a strikeout rate as Marmol used to have, but same sort of like feast or famine, a lot of wild, wild stuff going on there. I just, it's pretty ugly. Yeah. And I, every time I watch, turn on the game and you see Alex Reyes is on for the ninth, I'm just like, is there anything else on TV? Do I have to watch this? <laughs> Cause it's going to be not, an hour. <laughs> uh, do you adhere to the don't watch your closer rule? <sighs> yeah. For the most part, unless I just like if I'm going for the win and the save, I really just can't help it. Yeah. But yeah. I, 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 no one, if it's just the save, I'll just 
to flip to something else. But so like if you have the win and the save going and they're like important guys, uh, yeah, I, I'll watch. I can't stop. Yeah, I, I, I always say it, and then I, I've got the eight grid up. I'll maybe not have the volume on his game, uh, especially if it's a, a shakier closer. Like at the, the end days of Cesar Valdez's reign with the Orioles, I, I kind of stopped listen, listening to that because that was just way too painful. And honestly, it's, it's painful to watch. I mean, it, it was clever and fun for a while when the changeup after changeup after changeup was working. When they finally figured out, oh, well, I just sit on the changeup. Oh, oh, okay. That's how you beat him. Fine. Uh, then it became le- considerably less fun. Yeah, talking about a guy I left in my roster a week too long. Same here. Same here. Uh, I, I, he's still on my roster, but he's benched now, at least in the main. Just but now that uh, Fry got the save the other day, I'm pr- pretty much. Uh, and, and we know Harvey's coming back at some point soon, so I probably won't be uh, using him anymore. But uh, yeah, that, that that's been a rough one too. Um, is there? Yeah, I was looking at you know when you're talking about how bad Libertor was, and you now he's with the Olympic team, I think. Now I checked out Zach Thompson; he's been even worse. Uh, at AAA, it's just, yeah, there's not much help on the way. I think that's true with a lot of teams, though. Uh, I, I think it's hard to find the help. I mean, you look at the Reds. I mean, they're not even a contender right now. That's not even your worry. You're just like, you go if you go four, two and two against the Reds, that pretty much puts them in the rearview mirror for a while. It's, all, it's just about the Cards and the Cubs. So at least you can kind of focus on one opponent. Yeah, the problem is I just, it's just hard to see. How, like, unless the lineup can keep going, if Tyler O'Neill can keep going, Without that, it's just going to be tough to see how this team wins games because their pitching staff is going to give up a lot of runs, and their bullpen was already walking a ton of guys. Jeff, they have 14 walks with the bases loaded this season. Already. Oh, that's unwatchable. It, it's just 14, and we are like barely into June. Yeah, yeah, that, that's – you know, you're going to cycle through a lot, a lot of pitchers there then going through all that, and that that's just fun. And, yeah, I mean, look at – Look at all these teams with bad bullpens. The Reds are horrible with that, too. I mean, Amir Garrett, I don't know what happened to him. He was so good in spring training when he finally got going and was so bad immediately. Like, there was not even that little, like, okay, let's enjoy this period here where he was dominating. He had that outing against the Padres against the, in spring training where he went, I think he had, like, struck out eight of the first nine guys he faced, including, like, the, the starters for the Padres and guys like that. Like, okay, this is coming along. And then, ugh. And then, you know, they, they but, uh, you know, they're, they're, again, this is a team that didn't invest. They, they let Iglesias go for free. They you know, almost for free. They outright let Archie Bradley go and didn't replace him. And it's coming back to root. A lot of teams, I think, are having regrets about not spending this season. Just There's just not a lot of depth anywhere. And yeah. You're going to see it in the summer, too. I think it's going to be a lot of shootouts in the summer. Yeah, I think so too. Get that, get those uh, offensive stats back up to where they were. Uh, at least, maybe not, maybe not 2019, but at least 2020. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, is he the greatest human ever? I think he is. I might be biased because I have him in some key places. I, he was on his way out of playing time when he got hurt. Like he was that bad. He was on his way out. Like they were just not good. They were done with the experiment. He, they sent him on the IL. It was basically one of those like we're going to give you three weeks to see if you can figure it out when you come back. And mm-hmm. then when he came back, like everybody else was hurt. So they had to play him every day. And he just, he got a couple of hangers to start and it just kind of, it just yeah. the wave started from there. Uh, had that two home run day where I think just about any hitter in the major leagues, not named Clint Frazier would have hit them out. Um, <laughs> I, they were just complete hangers. And then ever since then, he looks amazing. I, I I don't know. I've always been a Tyler O'Neill hater, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But okay, it does look better than the past. Like I'm worried that I don't have any at this point. Yeah. Um, he, it, the problem is there's again there's no other options for the Cardinals to go to. There's no right. There's no next guy, and so if he's no. going to keep hitting, like Lane Thomas just has never worked out. Um, so yeah, I just think they're kind of in a situation where they're just going to have to play him every day. Yeah. Well, I'll give you one reason to think that you might still be validated. And unfortunately, it's going to, you know, because I'm actually, uh, you know, it would hurt me, but three walks, 47 Ks so far. That's really, even Hobby Baez is like, oh, that's horrible. That's awful. Uh, so the, the strikeouts are still a problem. But in this year where, you know, league wide batting average is like 239, fantasy batting average league wide, you're happy if you're hitting 250. You know, that doesn't hurt you as much when he hits 220 or whatever. If he hits 120, if he goes Joey Gallo on you, then, yeah, you could do that. Um, but th- then it could be a real problem. But I, he, he's still – that's still a big concern for me. 
Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals do have Lars Newtbar that could call up, but I just wonder even if they wonder, like, if this hot start is real or not because, he like, he's a nice prospect and all, but I don't think mm-hmm. anyone expected him to start having, like, a 1.1 OPS in AAA. So I, I suspect yeah. they're going to try to let him ride it out for another month to make sure it's legit before they give him a real look. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, what else in this offense stands out? I mean, you know, they're getting DeYoung back. He's been out for a while. Uh, Edmundo Sosa was good for a while, and I think some of the bloom came off that rose. Uh, what what else stands out to you in this Cardinals offense? Outside of the top four, they really or top five when Yachty plays, they really just don't have a solution that they're comfortable with. They just keep trying to mix and match guys, and I don't think it's working for any of them. You know they're trying to they're trying to get Matt Carpenter going. It's not going to happen. They're trying to get Justin Williams going. Probably less likely to have happened. Um, and they're just not like Lane Thomas will have one good game and then four terrible games and then he'll sit on the bench for a week and a half. It, they just don't have any rhythm to it. And I don't mm-hmm. think the players have any rhythm to it. And it's just leading to a whole lot of inconsistency from the bottom of the order. Sosa, for you mentioned, was a nice relief for it for a little bit. Max Moroff looked like he was giving some productive at bats, then went on the injured list. So mm-hmm. it's just they don't have any solutions after that top five. And again, with the pitching staff in the shambles, they're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. I think, yeah, DeYoung coming back lengthens that lineup a little bit. That would help. That would be nice. DeYoung was even good, though, Jeff. He was terrible. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, I, I, how bad was Oh, wow. You know, that's the thing. I hadn't realized how terrible he was. Yeah. 277 OBP. He was hitting for power. That's about it. Same, pretty much the same as, you know, yeah, at least he was getting the power. He wasn't getting that last year, but yeah, he was terrible. You're right. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I hope it was the injury related, right? You know, it's always, Mm -hmm. there's always the hope that he was just playing through the injury and that's why he was in that situation. But, you know, you can't count on it either. Yeah, that's true. Tommy Edmond, uh, batting lead off for this team. He's, He's got 10 stolen bases after uh, a pretty modest year last year, only two last year. He's doing what people kind of expected. Does he continue? If so, where do you draft him next year? Yeah, he he's just he's probably one of my biggest L's of draft season. I was off of him heading to 2020, and he kind of regressed to what I thought he was going to be in 2020. So I kind of thought 2020 was the new baseline, and it turns out 2020 was just simply the outlier. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just – really good contact hitter he's running a ton yeah i mean he's probably gotta be top 70 pick next year top 75 if he keeps it up the whole way the average and speed outside of the top three rounds is hard to find you have to imagine he'll just keep getting pushed up yeah i think so um i I, you know he's gonna score a lot of runs too i mean he's definitely gonna do that uh batting at the top of that order I think he's going to have a dual eligibility game, already 14 games in outfield in the outfield. So as we've seen, trying to find five healthy outfielders has been a challenge. So you may put him in the outfield every once in a while. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like uh, of all my problems on my teams, outfield is not my problem. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's the only position that I'm actually doing okay. Because I got a lot of those first baseman outfield guys because I always was just waiting on first base. And mm-hmm. a bunch of them just panned out. So I just have a whole lot of first base outfield guys just in the four or five slots that are doing okay. Uh, well, a couple of them that's got hurt, but I was in pretty good shape until that point. Right. Um, Austin Hayes getting hurt once again was just really the nail oh. on the coffin on that. Yeah, I have him in tout, and I think I have him one other place too. And yeah, it, it's it stinks when that because he's never been able to get like really get that long extended run yet in his career. He's had so many little setbacks there. It's um, always just it's always just like you, like right when you think he's about to take off hamstring knee tweak it's like come on i believe in you show give me some profits if they if the cardinals name you uh the gm uh right now effective immediately you're ahead of the trade deadline what's the first move you make for this team fire mike show okay why i i just can't stand the way he manages the lineups the bottom of the roster he just can't put any consistency out there and it's killing the players the bullpen management's terrible um, I don't like his in-game decision making. So yeah, that would be the first decision I'd make. Yeah, uh, his fit of peak about the Rosarena thing. I mean, that costs you a good player. I thought Libertor was going to be better than he is. Uh, so I, I kind of thought. I, I'm, still I'm some not giving there. up on Libertor. He's just still a top yeah. prospect. He's making the, as you mentioned, low A to triple A. Well, let's give him some time. 
Yeah. I still think it's funny. It wasn't the Rosarena trade. He was kind of like, oh, and they get this guy, Randy Rosarena. It was Martinez was the big deal. You know, like, oh, he finally gets a chance to play. He doesn't have to play the field anymore. Oh, whatever. That, that That's long gone. Just don't trade with the Rays. There's an idea for you. Don't yeah. trade with the Rays. Yeah. That, that That's actually a very good idea. Um, what's your first trade that you make? First trade that or, I make. Or for, like first player move that you make. Drop drop Matt Carpenter off the roster. Yeah, it's just it's not it, it's not happening. We we gotta at least try something. Um, yeah, that cost you know, is sunk. You know, it's not. It's like, a sunk cost. It's over. Yeah, it's sad to see, but you know, it, at some point we just have to do something better with the roster spot. Yeah, I th- I think you're probably right about that. And I'm emotionless too about it. So like I, I understand why the front office won't do it, but I would just be ruthless and. Uh, Kind of have Danny Ainge in me and just be like, this is the best interest of the team. I'm going to do it. Very good. Very good. What did you think about the uh, Celtics? I know you're a Celtics guy. So what did you think about this uh, turnover here? Surprised, but I really think that it was the right decision. If Brad was really that burned out, then trying to see if, you know, taking a stint in the GM role, can you just rest him up, get a new voice in there for four to five years. And then if he wants to go back to coaching, I'm sure the Celtics will be happy to have him. They want him to be their Pat Riley. So honestly, he can do kind of what he wants. I hear you. I hear you on that. Um, I'm talking with CJ Kaltenbach, AKA the siege DFS. You can follow him on Twitter there. He writes for elite fantasy sports stream streams with them, live casts and all that. Uh, we'll take any uh, generic questions at the end of the show, uh, but so uh, you can get that one right now. We're going to talk about you. We're going to learn a little bit more about the siege. You are an attorney. I'm a recovering attorney. Are you practicing right now? No. I, I'm active, but I can't remember the last time I've been in a courtroom. It's been a while. What sort of practice did you have? So I never actually like got to the practicing stage, but like I, I've helped on some like some cases with friends and stuff like that. Um, but no, okay. I never really got there. I was I passed I was waiting for bar results and then DFS came into my world and that was that. Yeah. So I passed the bar, got sworn in. Never practiced full time. Chris Liss, also a recovering attorney. There's a lot of us in this industry. I, th- I feel like we're all trying to find other walks of life to escape from and to do what we love instead. Yeah, and I just you know I'm just I'm super happy. So you know one of those just lucky things just happen to be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I love hearing things like that. How, so how did you stumble into DFS? What what caught your eye? So I was actually a friend of mine. I was coming back from a, a few week trip in Denver. My buddy had a cabin. He was like, come out after the bar exam, chill out. We can play some poker at the local casino and you can just chill out. And there's basically no human interaction. It was fantastic. Exactly what I needed after the bar exam. And then I'm driving yeah. back and a buddy calls me and he goes, Hey, I'm working on this uh, sports analytics project. Um, you know, basically trying to make a model, an early scale model for fantasy sports. I know you love sports. You're interested in helping me out. I was like, well, I got nothing better to do. Sure. Why not? Um, I got three months till the bar results come back anyways. And so I was like, but what are we doing this for? He's like, well, it's this thing called daily fantasy sports. And he explained it to me. And I was just like, wait, I get to make lineups every day instead of just drafting once I get to draft the team every day. He's like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this sounds great. And yeah, the rest is history after that. That's awesome. That's awesome. How long ago was that? Uh, so it would have been the summer of 2014. Okay. Very cool. Uh, so that also answers how you got into business. Now you've made a main name for yourself uh, in the D- in DFS circles. I, I don't think people realize like how, how well you've done, how you've gotten into like, you know, national, you know, into uh, the, the final contest, gotten your mom into some con, you know, some, some championships as well. Uh, tell, just lay it out for people. What have you done? Yeah, so I don't know. It's been a ton of live finals, Jeff. But I think the best accomplishment, as you mentioned, is that my mom came out and visited me like summer of 2017, I think. And basically being like, all right, I guess you're not going to become an attorney anytime soon. What the hell are you actually doing? And so Hmm. I tried, I was just explaining to her like the basic concept. And this is back when it was a Sunday night and it was back when the Sunday night baseball games were still on like the Sunday main slate. Mm -hmm. And so she stacked the Pirates against Clayton Kershaw, I think whatever she didn't okay. tell me what she had done and i was just like i had my team was doing terrible whatever and my mom was like let's watch sunday night baseball and she seemed like super excited and i was just like all right I'm really confused <laughs> i wasn't really thinking and then the pirates start scoring and she's getting like kind of like excited you kind of know it's like someone you can tell when someone says like has a sweat i'm like why are you so excited about this the pirates like clayton kershaw was like the chalk pitcher she's like 
yeah, but I stacked the pirates. I was like, no, you didn't. And sure <laughs> enough, she's just flying up the standings, has a, like half percent on pirate stack, and basically was uh, a home run off the pole after she had taken the lead away from winning a, like the big GPP her first time out. Finished like sixth or something. And after that, it was just like, all right, so what was I supposed to do? And then she wanted to realize she's a math person. That's what she did. So she did an MIT business. So she's definitely smarter than I ever will be. So explain her the basic concepts. And yeah, Let and she go. made a bunch. That's awesome. That That is tremendous. So uh, is most of your work with Elite now centered on DFS? I, I'd say it's about, yeah, 70%. <sighs> Yeah, seventy percent DFS, probably about twenty percent betting and ten percent season long. But I mean, I'm a chameleon; I can kind of do what they need from me. So, uh, yeah, but a lot of it's DFS. But uh, betting for baseball this season has been really good for me so far. So that's probably my. I'm just excited. I'm trying to run the ride the heater, Jeff. You know, nice. like it's never going to continue that good forever. But while it is, I'm just going to try to like really lock in and really focus on it and. Yeah, it's been a really good start for me. So that's what, what's worked for you there? What what totals, uh, Jeff? To- baseball totals have been fantastic. I think it's probably like ninety percent of what my bets have been this season. And yeah, really? Yeah, it, it's. I think we're up. We're almost almost up thirty units on the season. So now, it's are been you fantastic? Now, without giving away everything, have you found that like there's consistently over, consistently under in game totals? What what specifically have you have found? Uh, I've been pretty heavy on the unders. I think that a lot of these numbers have been inflated to start the season. So I've been mm-hmm. pretty heavy on the unders. But a lot of what I do is umpire-based, too. I'm a big umpire batters guy. Okay. And so I, I, I really try to find the extremes. You know, your Bill Millers, your Angel Hernandezes, um, your Larry Vanovers, and just attack their games because they are just such an outlier that it's going to be tough for the market to calibrate correctly. Do you, I, I've always found like getting good imp- umpire information, like as in who is the crew at the start of a series is hard to get. Like Mondays, you won't find out until like less than an hour before first pitch sometimes who's, who that crew is, let alone who the home plate umpire is. After that, you know the rotation and it's fine. But I always found that that's kind of been a challenge for me. It is. It can be a challenge, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have to leave it at that. Okay. Okay. Very good. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I, I, yeah. Again, don't want to reveal the secret sauce. No. Yeah. yeah. I just. Uh, I, I just. It exists. I'll just say that. Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, all right. Let's get into some of the, you know some of your takes. Some good takes. Bad takes. I know you're a heavy Mondesi guy. Uh, you have him in a lot of places. He had a setback this week. What's uh, What's your take on him? Uh, where are you taking him next year? Because I know I don't want to like. Flaw you for uh, being Jeff, I'll set yet. the market until he retires. Okay. I will set the market on Monesty until he retires. I just every time I watch him, I the skill level is just so fantastic. He's such a good athlete. He can run. He just the home runs were there. The patience too. He was actually showing some patience. Like I was mm-hmm. getting. I got to be honest. I know it was like seven games. I was really starting to get like he was just not chasing as much. And I know the strikeout rate on the fastballs was still not great, but he was just being better on the off-speed stuff. He was recognizing it a little sooner, mm-hmm. and I was super optimistic. I was like, here we go. This like He might still get me 20-40. Um, I'm hoping he's back in the lineup today. That's uh, kind of what I've been reading from the tea leaves, but you know, got to see. that That's information that's going to come out pretty soon, and that's probably going to depend on how my mood's going to be the rest of the day. If he's in there, great. If right. he goes in the 10-day IL, oh, man, I'm going to be pretty sad. Yeah, well, we'll watch and see on that one there. Hopefully uh, well, hopefully this will be recorded. Well, I was hoping to find it live on air. It would be nice, but uh, just for entertainment value purposes, especially if he were in there, then we could get elation and not despair. But uh, who else are you heavily invested in? Who else, who else are your guys? Austin Hayes. Um, he's my highest owned player across the uh, NFBC and any of the other like best ball leagues I did by far and away. Uh, as I mentioned, I am just a huge believer in the talent. Um, I have mm-hmm. been 83% of my NFBC leagues. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Including all the cut lines. I am. I was just a huge Austin Hayes guy. Um, I, I just was, I was willing to set the room on him. Um, Sonny Gray. I'm always big on Sonny Gray. Uh, feels like he's just like a couple good starts away from going on one of his patented fantastic runs. So I'm still not worried about him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than, yeah, those were kind of my guys uh, this season. And then Brady Singer, who I don't know what to do with. I just he needs a third pitch, and they're just so stubborn he won't throw it. I don't know what's going on there in Kansas City. Yeah, I think that sometimes you know it's harder to get a younger pitcher to buy into that. Perhaps you know it's it's worked all of his life. He's finally at a you know a level where maybe that's not working. He's like, I just got to throw it better. And you know, you get that sometimes. And I feel like that's also happened uh, out with uh, in San Diego with Chris Paddock. That you know everything's always been fine with just two pitches. Why do I need that third? I'm just gonna I just got to refine it and throw it better. And then he has a couple of good starts with the changeup, right? And then he's pitching all right. And then he gives up one homer on it. Goodbye. See ya. We'll see you for like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, unfortunately, I think that's right. My two guys are Sandy Alcantara as a pitcher, and although I don't have him in either main. And then Brandon Nimmo was that guy, although once he got hurt and had the setback, I had to make some tough decisions and cut him in one of my leagues. You know, it's not great when, you know, in one of your mains, when two of the top five guys – on the like most rostered guys on your waiver wire are my cuts and they go for double digits in each league. And you're like, ah, it's just, I had tough calls to make. Yeah. It's not fun. I have that with Theresa Rias, who was like a, one of my late round guys. Cause I was like, he's going to play yeah. every day. He's three position eligible. This is fine. There's no threats to his playing time. CJ none. He's got yeah. three positions to play at. He'll be fine. And they trade for like a version of him just cause his defense was so bad. And you're just like, well, that's and the then he gets hot with the bat right afterwards, too. So he's making it really hard to cut because he's batting like 350. And it's just like, oh, come on. Where was that before they traded you for your replacement? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you're like, well, and, you know, defense matters. It really does. And even though we don't score it, it always dictates the playing time. You, you, a manager doesn't want to be embarrassed. Uh, it, this is a theory that uh, we listen. I have talked about forever. It's like, yeah, it's one thing to be OK. Maybe he doesn't have the range. But if he starts making errors. Then, then it's another issue. And he starts making everything look bad out there. You know, you get the teammates upset at you. Then it's a whole other story. Yeah, and it's just – you know what happens is you cut him and then someone gets hurt like that next week and he's going to go for 70 bucks, 80 bucks on Fab. And you're just like, oh. yeah. hold on. Just hold on. One more week. That's right. That's right. Um, one more uh, topic and then we'll get a couple of questions. You're a Formula One guy. Uh, I seen some tweets on that. We bonded over that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm just getting into it. It's it's the best form of racing, I think. And you know, I, I was brought in by the Netflix series, like a lot of people. Me too, and, by the way. Me too. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic series. If you haven't seen it, you can go. You can catch up now on it, and you'll get up to speed pretty quick. F1 is fantastic. Uh, and this year was interesting. I mean, I, I, because you know, Verstappen has kind of closed the gap on the Mercedes guys a little bit. In fact, I think he's got the points lead right now. But it's still it's a it's a three car race. It seems like every single week. Yeah, it's just it's been a couple. It's just been a weird schedule of where they've gone. You know, the mid tier mm-hmm. really hasn't been able to be competitive. They would have been at Monaco if not for Charles Leclerc wrecking at the very end of qualifying. I think they could have absolutely been a contender. Right. Um, but I think you'll see at some of the upcoming tracks that some of the mid tier teams are going to be able to make a little closer push. Maybe not mm-hmm. into the top two teams, but for that. Racing between four and nine will be a little bit more competitive. So far, it's been just one of the mid-tier teams has been better than all the others, and it's kind of killed the racing. I think we'll start seeing this week at Baku a lot more competitiveness in the mid-tier. Baku is one of my favorite circuits on the entire calendar. Um, so if you watch Monaco, or like, oh, no, not another street circuit. No, no, no. This is completely different. Monaco is kind of just like the – I'm trying to think like, like the base. It's like if, if there was a team that played out of um, Field of Dreams – Right. It's just it's yeah. its own little world. And it's just more of like a party than a race. So just don't view it as a race. Just view it as like a party. And then it, this this Baku is awesome, though. It's got the long straight. You can pass on. They got the tight turners. Someone's going to absolutely have a massive wreck there. Yeah. A lot of strategy. I love Baku. It's my favorite favorite track on the circuit. On the nice. Nice. And I always I compared Monaco to uh, the last stage of the Tour de France. It, yes, it's a exactly. ceremonial race. Yes. You know? qualifying is it it's all about uh, track position and just don't screw up in the pits like uh mercedes did and then you're fine but uh uh, that that was i could not believe that that was crazy Uh, he's had such bad luck too oh yeah he's had terrible luck uh but i was kicking myself the night before i was super tired and i was just looking at the final odds and i was like "Ooh, leclerc plus 500 to not finish the race and bottas plus 500 i was like man those are a little high and i was like 
I don't feel like driving to Illinois to bed. It's 40 minutes each way or 20 minutes each way. I'm tired. I should probably just go to sleep. I want to get up for the race, wake up, see LeClaire's already out of the race. I'm like, well, there's five units down the drain. And yep. then I watch Botas get stuck in the pits. I'm just like, oh, uh, CJ, what again, are you doing? <laughs> missed bet is just as bad as a missed fab. Oh, the the missed the, the Leclerc bet was just bad. Like it was just they. I knew Ferrari wouldn't repair the car correctly. You knew that they just desperately all they cared about was a win at Monaco. And I fell into the we won't take any chances with them. We won't take any chances with them. And the back of my head, I'm like, of course you are. It's Monaco. You can't pass. Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Lost the track position there. is so everything there. But, yeah, uh, anyway. I was kicking myself pretty. I was, yeah. you know, it's like eight thirty. You're two cups of coffee, and you're just like, man, what this day could have been. Yeah, or six thirty in my case. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Oh no, that that's where I. Well, no, I wake up and then I'll. You know, the best part is I I will record and then catch up. I don't have to watch it live because I usually don't bet on it. But I just really wish ESPN would stop putting it on the bottom line. That was the best part about the sport is because it wasn't on the bottom line. You could right. just go back and watch it Sunday night. But now I'm just like, I know that it's because now ESPN has the rights and people are watching it. Year-over-year year viewership was over 50% higher than it was at Monaco last year. They had like 900,000 viewers. And I'm just sitting here like, that's great and all, but I get off my bottom line. I don't want you there. <laughs> right. No spoilers. No spoilers. Especially, like, you know, football season, it's especially bad. Because uh, you know you can't watch. You know, Sunday morning, you're occupied with giving advice, lineups, all that kind of stuff or setting your own lineups for that matter. And then you're watching the games. And then finally, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll watch football games are over. Now I'll watch my F1. But, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. Or it's a terrible Sunday night game and it's halftime. You're like, perfect. Let me yep. just turn on the F1 qualifying, turn on the F1 race, and I'll be good mm-hmm. to go. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Ready to tackle a couple of questions? Let's do it. All right. Michael asks, do you think Logan Gilbert sticks around or will Seattle send him back down to the minors? Talk about someone who's performed worse than Lynch probably so far. If you take out the pitch tipping problems with Lynch. Yep. Um, I think they'll make the same decision they make on Kalinic. If they move, I don't think that they'll keep one and move the other down. I think they'll either keep them both up or move them both back down. I like that. Makes sense. I can see that. I think they'll keep them up actually, but we'll see. Um, he was you know, okay in his last start against the A's this week. So I think there's some progress being made. They also uh, really love their six man rotations. They, I hate that though. I mean, I, I understand. I hate it for fantasy. I think for developmental purposes, there's something to be said for it this year, but I hate it because you're never getting two starts. This is the one week you get two starts from Gilbert. It'll be another six, seven weeks, maybe longer before he gets another two start week, unless they change things. Yeah, that's my. I regret not. I don't think I factored that in enough with Dylan Bundy heading into the preseason. I I, I didn't either. Uh, all the Angel starters, I feel you know, I, I kind of overlooked that a little bit. Uh, we stand. I you know, for the for that matter, I still think I don't believe it's going to continue. I still think that something's got to give at some point, but we'll see. Uh, I'm stubborn that way. Joel asked about Harold Ramirez. Saw him on Tuesday night. Noticed a couple of things he liked. A couple he did not. What are your thoughts on him? You know, i got to be honest, not a player I've spent a whole lot of time watching. I have not watched a lot of Indians baseball. I don't have a lot of Indians exposure other than Klasse uh, and Karinchak. So right. it's normally like the seventh or eighth inning by the time I want to tune into the game. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm in the same boat. I, I'm skeptical, because, of, but that's mostly because of past track record. Uh, and I just look at a guy, it's like, eh, okay, he's there. Uh, you know, he does have – you know, I, I just don't see a whole lot of power. I know he had 11 homers for Miami in 2019, but that's like the juiciest ball era ever. Uh, you look at his minor league track record, never been, never a ton of power. He had a pretty good run in, to, in, in New Orleans. Again, juice ball era, PCL, tore up uh, double A in 2018, but I want more category juice. I want something. And I just think he's kind of just a, a filler otherwise. I don't really see a whole lot of upside for him. I just think he's the latest guy. That they're 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 going to toy with, and and in lieu of spending on in a decent outfielder, I will say the lack of strikeouts just means he probably will just stick and play because you've not talked about how you don't want to make a manager look stupid. He's not going to go like over fourteen with seven or eight strikeouts. He's not that's not really in his game. So that should give him a little bit of a longer leash than maybe some of these other guys that you just kind of think could get replaced pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, any parting shots? What are you working on right now? 
Oh boy, you know, uh, F1 this weekend at Baku, I, I, was, I was actually just looking at some of the data from 2019. They didn't race there last year, unfortunately, due to the pandemic. So mm-hmm. um, looking back at 2019, kind of figuring out which cars I think are going to do pretty well. I think it's going to be a pretty good Red Bull circuit too. And I think the sports books are afraid of it too, because I've seen a bunch of promos on Lewis Hamilton winning the race. And I, I was already kind of thinking that you know, this could get pretty out of hand on Max Verstappen. So I think I'm going to try to get a bit of Max Verstappen in today before the first practice session. Because if Red Bull comes out and dominates, the plus money for him will probably just be gone. Yeah. Is it is Perez maybe an in, interesting play, like a top three a podium for him? Can you try to bet that? He's just been so bad in the Red Bull car. I just can't yeah. trust him yet. I know. Maybe it's, I'm also just a guy who just really thought Alex Albon should have kept that ride. And so watching Perez struggle has been kind of one of my sole enjoyments of the season. <laughs> like the tracks they went to last year were just so bad for the Red Bull team and the Red Bull car. I'm like, it was just such a brutal year to get cut. I was just like, if they had had Singapore, if they had had Azerbaijan, if they had had the U.S. Grand Prix, if they had had Brazil, if they had had Mexico, like those are the five best tracks for Red Bull. And they raced at none of them last year. It's like, and he still finished sixth in the standings. And he yeah. would have finished fourth if Hamilton hadn't wrecked him as he was going to go for the lead in the opening race of the season. Like if Hamilton doesn't wreck him for the second time in three races and he wins that race, it's a completely different season. I just, I'm still better about it. I really am. For sure. But you know, the funny thing is Perez got a raw deal with his team too, though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but that's what happens when you got a billionaire billionaire owner and his son is one of the racers for that team. That, his, it, his son is gets, a, his son is actually pretty good. Like yeah. I, the first season I watched him, I was like, man, he's just a pay driver. But then he's actually been pretty good since then. So I, I'm going to give Stroll a pass on okay. putting his son in the seat. He's probably he probably deserves to be on the grid on merit. So I'll give him a pass. Yeah, I still can't get over the the facial resemblance between him and the uh, Disney kid that uh, passed away recently. Um, and my daughters would kill me for not remembering the kid's name. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, resemblance is there. Um, and I'll. I'll of course, that'll be in the, uh, the 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 cuts of this uh, podcast. I'll remember his name, but you know, because otherwise the comparison is completely lost. But anyhow, uh, all right. Well, hey, I want to thank you for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, good luck uh, with your F one bets as well as your DFS and NFPC teams, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Anytime, Jeff. Yeah, I was to say football season not too far away. NFFCs uh, coming up pretty soon. I know, I know. It's it's rolling. All right, uh, we got two star starters tomorrow with uh, Clay and Todd. I'm going to be off. Uh, going to go take a little trip, and we'll have uh, what, what Scott Jenstad's going to have a special guest on Sunday. I think it's actually Vlad on Sunday this week. I uh, I know he's got guests lined up for all three spots that he's covering for me. So uh, I'll talk to you again on uh, Tuesday, the fifteenth, uh, with Fred Zinke. Until then. Uh, just join with Scott, Scott Jenstad, say with Clay and James and all that, and Todd as well. Thanks again for watching and or listening. Have a great day.